Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice. Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace. Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadbourne, pinch hitting for Grace. I hear she's feverishly making her way back from her weekend ski trip. Hope that she had great conditions and she'll be back joining you tomorrow. I'm broadcasting out of the Portland Radio Group studios here up in Maine. Uh, where I host Inside Maine on WGAN. Thanks to all our local listeners, and thanks to all of Grace's listeners for embracing me, for being so much part of the show. We have the best callers in radio, and that's one of the reasons I love uh, spending time on Grace's show and Howie's show, and it's it's really wonderful to be here. Um, the big story of the day, I guess it's the story, because I really don't think this bill's going anywhere, but it's the Senate finally released the text of this border bill. It's it's the whole negotiation about what it would take to unlock the Ukraine funding, the Israel funding, and uh, Republicans said we need we need to secure the border. And this is the Senate's attempt at that. And um, I don't know about you, but when it, when it comes to like figuring out what's actually in a bill, it can be pretty dense. And I think that's why we take what other people are saying about it. But we're lucky that we have an expert. Christopher Healy is a homeland security expert. He spent more than 15 years in federal law enforcement. He's a former Department of Homeland Security special agent. And he joins us right now to break down kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly in this proposed border deal. Christopher, thanks for being with us on the Grace Curley Show. Glad to be here, Aaron. Thanks for having me. So here's a question I have for you, because it seems that every few years you'll get like this, you know, it was the gang of eight during the Obama administration. Now there's this, you know, small secretive group led by um, <clears throat> Senator Lankford um, and, and, and Chris Murphy. Like, what is this new or is this more of the same failed attempts that we've been seeing to kind of pretend that we're securing the border and really it's business as usual? Yeah, well, I mean, this I think you nailed it. Uh, everything that I've seen so far indicates that this bill, at least in its current its current iteration is not going anywhere. There's been quite a few strong voices that have come out both in the House and the Senate against it. And I would like to start the conversation by reminding you that there has been a bill that was passed by the House. It was a standalone Homeland Security bill intended to fund more security uh, to close some of these loopholes in the parole process and the asylum process that was passed by the House of Representatives. It's called H.R. 2, the Secure the Border Act. It was passed in May of 2023 and has been sitting on Senator Schumer's desk. Now, they did not take that bill in the Senate and give it over to this group of senators, which includes Chris Murphy from Connecticut, which includes James Langford from Oklahoma, as you mentioned, and, and Kirsten Cinema from Arizona. They didn't hand that bill over to them. They started with their own bill. And this bill does not provide the same sort of security measures as that House bill. And so I think you're, you're dead on. This is, again, it's an exercise in political gamesmanship to an extent, and I don't think it's going anywhere from a security standpoint. But what about the things that the Biden administration is saying? We need more authority. We need more money. And this bill is the way to get it. it does, does this bill actually give them authority they need? Does it give them money they need? Or is this all smoke and mirrors? Uh, yeah, I think it's more smoke and mirrors than actually providing them some things. Now, we can go through some of the pros and cons. There are some good things in this bill. Uh, oh, I'd like to hear it. What are the good things? Able to read it. 
Well, there are some good things in, in that it does not legalize anyone who's already in the U.S. There's no amnesty provision. I think that is a huge thing. It would be even more dead on arrival if, if that was not included in it. It does fund an increase in uh, detention capacity. Currently around the nation, there are about 34,000 beds available for detaining individuals who cross the border illegally. Now we're seeing 5,000 people a day cross the border uh, on almost any given day under the Biden administration. So those bed spaces that exist fill up quickly. We did have a lot of bed spaces they shut down during the Obama administration, and we didn't really rebuild that capacity during the Trump administration. So that does, in theory, increase the ability of ICE to hold people so fewer people will be detained. But you're only talking about about 16,000 beds, and if you're releasing people out into the country on a daily basis, is that really going to make much of a difference? Uh, it does increase some funding. It increases the amount of flights uh, their deportation flights. ICE has an entire fleet of lease planes that they use to send large groups of people back to Central America, back to South America, sometimes to Africa and Asia as well. It increases that. So it does some good things, but it codifies a lot of bad things as well, which we can certainly get into. And really what it does, I think more than anything that's offensive to a lot of people, myself included, is that a border security bill like the House bill would fund border security. This yeah. funds about three times as much to foreign aid as it does to our own border. And I think a lot of folks looking at this as a border security bill think that that's pretty, pretty silly. I agree with you. I think if we're going to put all this money towards securing the borders of Israel and Ukraine and making sure that they have you know secure borders and, and can, can enforce their sovereignty – You'd think that we'd be hardening it up. I mean, I watched the 60 Minutes show last night where they showed people pouring in that one gap next to the fence. And, and I think, I mean, I don't have any confidence that if, even if you gave President Biden the money and the authority to to patch up the holes in the wall, that they'd actually do it. Yeah, I think you're 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 correct there. And here's here's what I tell everyone who asks me about whether we need a bill. And I actually spoke to some of my former colleagues about this this morning in preparation for this call. And what everyone has said and what I have always said is you don't need a new bill. You need the will. And we do not currently have an administration that has the will to enforce current law. So giving them additional tools, enforcement-related tools, isn't fixing the problem if they're unwilling to use the tools they currently have. I personally worked under four different presidents. They all had the same exact tools available to them that the current president has. He's just not using them. If he wanted to today, he could reverse all 500-plus actions he has taken since coming into office three years ago, and he could reverse this trend of increasing people crossing the border, increasing people coming in and claiming asylum. He could reverse that tomorrow by simply reversing the policies he's put in place under the current law that have made that law less effective. Well, and that's the one thing I don't like about the, some of the characterization of the bill is it gives more discretion to the administration that they could use. But even on the border shutdown, deciding when it is and is not an emergency or deciding when you would and would not do things, if you view it through the lens that Joe Biden and Secretary Mayorkas have viewed their, their policing of the border to date, I think it's going to make the border less safe, not more safe. I just don't have any confidence that this administration is actually going to take it seriously. I completely agree with you. I have no confidence because the, conf the confidence went away about two months in. It actually went away the first day or two in office when he canceled a number of policy provisions that Trump had put in place that were actually effectively 
keeping people from crossing our border and making specious asylum claims, which is really the root of this issue. Now, among other things, this bill also grants 50,000 extra green cards per year for no apparent reason, uh, which is entirely unrelated to security on the border. It spends about $1.4 billion through FEMA distributed to NGOs, those non-governmental organizations, and to municipalities. All of that, all of that creates a magnet effect. It brings more people in knowing that there is more money available for them. It also, it grants, it actually codifies catch and release. It makes it so that individuals, the law currently, as it reads, says shall be detained. It creates a provision in the law that says shall be released. It intends to give people who intend, not actually claim, but intend, state an intent to claim asylum at some point. It gives them green cards, which puts them on a pathway to citizenship. And it puts it all in the hands of USCIS officers, people at Citizenship and Immigration Services. So in other words, it's going to take the process away from the immigration court system, where there's an adversarial process between an ICE attorney and an immigration attorney and a judge overseeing this uh, asylum hearing or deportation hearing in the Executive Office of Immigration Review. It takes it from their hands and puts it in the hands of bureaucrats at USCIS who are going to be making these determinations without oversight from a court, meaning if you hire individuals who are inclined to let people into the country on asylum claims, they will rubber stamp asylum claims and put people on a pathway to citizenship and mass. That is my primary concern with this bill. You know, I think those are really important concerns. And I think all that you're saying, the, you know, building up this ecosystem of money to NGOs, building up this pathway to catch and release, building up this pathway to citizenship, all the things that they said it wasn't going to do seem to be embedded in here. And in some instances make it worse. I just don't know why you would weaken our immigration policy at a time when the American people are seeing for themselves, not just Republicans. It's not a partisan issue. Everyone's seeing it laid bare. Uh, it's laid bare exactly what's going on, and and for for those people, and and, and I, I, like you know, the, even the point that you made that it wouldn't no longer be in the courts; it would be a division of the Department of Homeland Security making these determinations. What I've seen from this administration is they're not empowering law enforcement; they're empowering bureaucrats to figure out how to process more illegal entrants to give them a pathway into this country. That's correct. You nailed it. And keep in mind, and your listeners may not remember this, but during the Obama administration, Alejandro Mayorkas, who has a background as an assistant United States attorney in California, he was tapped to lead U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services during the Obama administration. My former agency, the Office of Inspector General, actually investigated him for malfeasance and corruption during his leadership of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services because he was allegedly handing out uh, visas under a certain provision of the law to political allies of the Obama administration. He got in a lot of trouble for that and actually stepped down. But he has now failed upwards from that position into secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. So keep in mind, he's the guy who was in charge of USCIS. And now we're going to be empowering, if this bill passes, USCIS with the ability to grant asylum absent any sort of executive office of immigration review. I, that That makes me pretty concerned. And when I see the guy who has overseen the largest invasion of our southern border in U.S. history, who just last month oversaw over 300,000 encounters at the southwest border, when I see him giving this bill the thumbs up and saying this is a great bill, that's a huge red flag for me. Christopher Healy is a Homeland Security 
expert. He runs Black Bear Security Consultants. And, and Christopher, like, just, just put that in perspective, though. You know, you say it's the worst ever. What did it look like before? Because I have friends, right, who are independents or normal. They don't pay attention to this stuff. And they say, hey, this has always been a problem. We just have television pictures of it now, and people are more alarmist about it. What is the difference between what, what used to happen and what we're actually seeing at the border now? Sure. I got started on the border in late 2006, and there was a surge about six or seven years after I got down there called the Unaccompanied Alien Children Surge. You may remember this. It occurred during the Obama years where the smuggling organizations were bringing tons and tons of young children across, knowing they would not be detained or turned over, and that ICE would essentially complete the smuggling operation. Once they were in ICE custody, they would be turned over to quote-unquote relatives within the United States. At that time, that was considered a crisis 10 years ago. About 40,000 people a month were crossing our border. That's when we had the quote-unquote kids in cages, the cages that the Obama-Biden administration built, that the Trump administration used. That was 10 years ago. We are now seeing on a magnitude five, six, seven times that coming across our border. Really, if you go back and you look at what Jay Johnson used to say, if we were approaching a thousand crossings a day and He's the former DHS secretary under Obama. If we were crossing 1,000 crossings a day, it was considered a crisis. Just last month, we saw 10, 12, 12 12,500 people a day coming across in December. So put that in perspective. The number of Border Patrol stations hasn't increased. The number of individuals working hasn't really increased. The number of bed space hasn't increased. But the number of people coming across has increased greatly because we've hung up a giant vacancy sign on our southwest border, and we're just bringing them across en masse right now. Christopher Healy, Homeland Security expert, we really appreciate you joining us here on the Grace Curley Show to help break down what's in the bill, what's good, what's bad. Christopher, if people want to read more or see more from you, where can they go? Well, you can find me tomorrow morning uh, right there in your, your home studio in Port Maine on the WGAN Morning News with Matt Gagnon, uh, and every Tuesday morning when I do my Homeland Security segment at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on WGAN. Christopher, great to speak with you. I'm Aaron Chadbourne in for Grace Curley. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. Stay right here. We'll be back with your calls. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. Texter 602 says, Aaron, this new bill is an amnesty bill. It gives the Biden administration amnesty for deciding not to do anything because it gives them vague discretion. (laughs) That's fair enough. I mean, not that Biden knows what he's getting for discretion anyway. Like, that's the big thing. This this administration is not serious about the border. You know, that quote from uh, Succession. These are not serious people. Um, but I am a serious person. I'm Aaron Chadbourne filling in for Grace Curley here on the Grace Curley Show today. We spent a lot of time talking about this this package released by the Senate. The Senate has negotiated behind closed doors a bipartisan agreement. And uh, that's what today's poll question is about. Our t- poll question today brought to you by Rizzo Insurance. When was the last time you had your insurance audited, right? Most people don't even know how much you're still paying, what it covers. Rizzo Insurance can give you an insurance audit, help you understand if you can save money. One of our coworkers here at the Howie Car Show Radio Network saved over $1,700. To get your insurance audited, go to RizzoInsurance.com. All right, Jared, what is today's poll question and what are the answers thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at GraceCurlyShow.com is do you think Congress will pass the Senate border package or wait for a better deal if Trump is elected? 
I think so far I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Speaker Johnson and the Republicans in the House. So I'm going to say that they're going to wait for a better deal. 48% of the audience agrees with you that they'll stand their ground. 52% think <laughs> they will cave. Maybe I'm like Charlie Brown with Lucy and the football. Like I think that like this time we're actually going to do it. But a majority of people think Republicans are going to cave. I guess that's the people are used to seeing it, right? They're used to seeing Republicans bend over. It's uh, it's why... It's why, honestly, Kevin McCarthy's not there anymore. There is this question, though, about Mike Johnson, because he did say when he was running for speaker, and I guess he had to say this, he said he wouldn't do another you know, continuing resolution. He wouldn't do this temporary funding bill that he would bring back you know, regular order. And he hasn't been able to. He had to. And so we'll see. They're going to be negotiating government spending. But honestly, I think if you hold your ground, the... The establishment so badly wants the money to fund Ukraine, the battle in Ukraine. Israel has enough money for right now, but the Ukraine thing, the Gaza thing, I think they're going to want the money so badly that the Republicans should be able to negotiate a better deal, whether they wait for a Trump presidency or whether they don't. I just think they have the leverage. Um, you can all also call in 844-500-4242, the number here at the Grace Curley Show. Or if you'd like to text, you can text the word Curly, not Grace, but Curly, C-U-R-L-E-Y. You text that to 617-213-1066 and you can weigh in and share your thoughts with us as well um there is more stuff in the news and no it's not all taylor swift but i really think like this is the big thing today because it was dropped on a sunday and you drop things on a sunday when you're trying to do it i did want to get to also donald trump did appear on fox news over the weekend and he was teasing who he might appoint as vice president, who he might choose to run with him as his running mate. And, it, you know, it really got me thinking. I think Nikki Haley's done a lot to ensure that she would not be the person selected, right? She's now come out as Trump's chief antagonist. I don't really see a pathway forward. Oh, that's not very nice, Nikki. <laughs> I love that impression. He's so good. But so he, Nikki's not been nice and she's kind of like, you know, taking herself out of the running. Prior to that, I think she would have loved to be his vice president. But he he dropped two of the names he dropped were Tim Scott and were South Dakota Governor Christy Nome. Um, obviously, other speculation has been about Ben Carson, about Elise Stefanik, Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, so I, I would love to hear, too, what people would like. Is there someone that you'd like to see as Trump's running me? Do you have predictions? You can call us here at The Grace Curley Show, 844-500-4242. The last half hour is coming up, and we're going to be taking many, many more of your calls. Want to know some of your thoughts on this bill? Want to know who you think that uh, Trump might pick or should pick as his running mate? You could give us that call, 844-500-4242. And but like, it's just, again, like it really, I know I'm one of the only ones who watches Saturday live still or we'll check it back out but they don't have anything they won't make fun of biden and he gives them so much material they did it with george w bush they do it with trump but hands off this administration i'm aaron chadborn this is the grace curly show Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back to the final half hour of the Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadborn sitting in for Grace. Thanks so much for being with us today. I want to get to your calls. Let's go and talk to Ron. Ron, welcome to the Grace Curley Show. Aaron, good afternoon. How's it going? It's going all right. I'm just driving around. 
Well, finally, we got some nice weather for it, Ron. What's on your mind? I have an idea for the Trump campaign. It's a Taylor Swift strategy. All right, let's hear um, it. It's juvenile, but I think it's pretty humorous. So um, I shouldn't know this, but Taylor Swift has a song called Karma. And if Trump plays that at his campaign rallies and pretends like he doesn't know who sings the song, he can just say, wow, this is a really good song. It's catchy. And um, then he could say that uh, instead of having a campaign of retribution, he could say that karma is actually coming for the Biden campaign with regards to immigration, inflation, um, transgender on children, all these all these ills that are coming through the left. And then when the Taylor Swift side says um, cease and desist at playing our song, he could just gaslight them and say, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's a strategy, Ron. I agree with you. And thanks for the call. I think, you know, the, the they always do sue, right, to stop using it and all of that. I think I'm ready to not have Taylor Swift be at the center of public consciousness. And I think I'm wondering if, like, her at the Grammys last night, which I said I wouldn't talk much about, but I think maybe she went a step too far and she's wearing out her welcome. And, and people are saying, you know, you seemed entitled, you weren't gracious, you weren't nice. And, and she made it about herself um, rather than about music and accomplishment. So uh, maybe we can just move away from, from those types of celebrities having such an impact on our everyday decisions on who we root for for football, who we vote for for president. Speaking of president, I'm asking too, who do you think either Trump will pick or should pick as his running mate? Because I think Nikki Haley's done. I think the SNL appearance was kind of that death rattle of her campaign. It's showing desperation. I don't like it. Um, wondering who you think, what you think. Um, the phone number 844-500-4242, the phone number here at the Grace Curley Show. Let's talk to Bill. Bill, what say you? Hi, I just wanted to say uh, highly intelligent, well-spoken black woman, uh, Candace Owen, for vice president. New mother as well, right? So Candace Owen, that is, uh, I think she's a popular pick. I think a lot of Trump supporters would think that that would be a, a good idea. Yeah, I think she'd be great. All right, thanks for the call, Bill. Appreciate it. Let's go next to Brenda. Brenda, same question for you. Either who do you think Trump should pick or who do you think he's going to pick? I think Trump should pick Carrie Lake. Tell me why. I think Carrie Lake, because Carrie Lake respects Trump, and Carrie Lake respects herself. So I think she would be really, really supportive for Trump. All right. We take it. Thanks for the call, Brenda. Thanks for calling in. Keep those calls coming. 844-500-4242. With Carrie Lake, I haven't followed her that closely. Um, she, I think, has already declared that she's running for the U.S. Senate out in Arizona. So she would have to stop that. I think Trump has endorsed her. So I'd be surprised if they backtrack on that, but it could happen. Who knows? Trump, you know, is going to do what, what Trump's going to do. And I don't think he's going to, um, listen to, to my suggestions on whether, whether he does that or not. Um, phone line's still lighting up. Let's go next to Mike. Mike, what's on your mind? Uh, yes. Hi. Um, yeah, I think I should bring Ben Carson out of the, uh, mothballs for vice president. Uh, he always got along with Trump and he stayed in the Trump administration the whole time as, as housing secretary. But I also had something else. I watched that 60 Minutes last night. I'm surprised that it really surprised me of all the Chinese that are coming through the through the border walls. And yeah. they're, they're, they're paying for airline tickets right to Mexico and then hiring somebody to drop them off at, at that hole in the wall. It's incredible. 
Yeah, and it's not often talked about, and that's what I think is, is is interesting too. With the Chinese, like there are a lot of explanations for it, right? The Chinese economy is lagging. The Chinese government is oppressive. But when you see, and, and they they showed on 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 sixty minutes, they showed like a, a single military age male coming across. You're like, wait a minute, like how many? How many of those Chinese nationals are coming in? Or up here in Maine, we're seeing this influx of the illegal marijuana grows funded by the, the Chinese Communist Party. And it makes you wonder what's actually going on. I agree. Totally agree. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Mike. Good point. 844-500-4242 is the number here if you'd like to join the conversation on the Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadbourne filling in for Grace Um it's been a great day being here with you. Appreciate all of you. And, and, and it want to be, you know, it's interesting because immigration and border security isn't a new topic. It's something that those of us who have been paying attention for a long time have been clamoring for the attention about. And so what I think we have right now, both in the 2024 election and in this moment right now with what the Senate is trying to do together with this, um, you know, package that they're trying to pass over to the house, they're trying to, really kind of seize the moment, seize the political moment. But <clears throat> where have you been? Where have you been, Joe Biden? And when Biden talks about it, I don't know if you've listened to him talk about it, he says, hey, I authorized my administration in November to start negotiating on this. November. One year out from re-election is when Biden decided he had to take this seriously and he couldn't afford to just stick his head in the sand and pretend like he didn't put the, the open sign at the border that wasn't wide open, that, would, that wasn't porous. That they weren't just waving everyone through, and that's what they've been doing these last three years, and now it's catching up with them because we have a presidential election coming up. 844-500-4242. Let's go next to, um, next to the caller, Fadia. Go ahead. Hi. I just want to say that I think the beautiful governor from South Dakota will make a perfect uh, vice president. She's smart. She's tough. She's intelligent, and she's a female Trumpster as far as I'm concerned. And so that's Christy Nome. Yes, it is Christy Nome. And that is one of the people that Trump mentioned over the weekend. He said Tim Scott. He said Christy Nome. And I think a lot of people agree with you. She was also, I think, very strong. Like Governor DeSantis, she was very strong during the the COVID lockdowns. She stood up and she was a very clear difference from what we saw in Maine and Massachusetts and California, these crazy blue states that were on authoritarian lockdown. South Dakota, like Florida, stayed open. And I, I agree with you. I think she showed good leadership. I love Scott, but I think Scott should get a position in his cabinet, but vice president, it should be her. She's beautiful. I'm not a big fan of senators in these roles, so I think leave him in the Senate. Let him let him try to carry Trump's water uh, in, in the Congress. But uh, thanks for the call. Appreciate appreciate the perspective. Um, if you have thoughts on that or on the immigration issue that we've talked about, would love to take a few more calls as we head into our uh, into the end of the show. Quite honestly, it's been a great day. Thanks for indulging me here on the Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadbourne, uh, joining you from the WGAN studios up in Maine, uh, where I served as senior policy advisor to former Governor Paula Page, um, obviously someone that I would much rather have running our state right now, because Maine's being overrun, just like Massachusetts. What we're seeing in Roxbury, and I really liked 
the caller that suggested that President Trump should visit Roxbury and shine a light on what's actually going on, how our facilities that were set up for the community, for our kids, for our schools are being taken over to house illegal immigrants. And and I think Trump coming and visiting, just like he did with East Palestine, uh, would would really, really do well to shine a light on that. Um, let's do one more call and take Larry. Larry, go ahead. Aaron, Larry Lockman calling from Maine. How are you doing? Good to hear from you. Former Representative Larry Lockman up in Maine. What's on your mind, sir? Well, Janet, Governor Millstone, I mean, Governor Mills has a bill pending in the Maine legislature. She wants to boost illegal immigration into the state from the current. They're coming at the rate of about 3000 a month. She wants to bump that up to 15000 a month to address the so-called work shortage we have up here. So she wants to invite a bunch of um, non-English speaking poor people to come up here. I don't know where they're supposed to live. As you probably know, we've got a serious housing shortage here. Uh, The whole thing is nuts, and it looks like the skids are greased to get this through the legislature and get to her desk. Wow. We'll have to watch the one. As you saw, as you saw, Larry, they're building the housing for asylum seekers in Brunswick. I haven't seen much affordable housing being built throughout the state. They're, they're trying to, I guess, get the funding lined up for it. But now we have the, the, the actual housing units coming online for asylum seekers while we still have uh, a lot of native or, or local Mainers who've been here for a long time homeless on the streets. But no, we'll have to watch that one. But it is. It shows you their priorities. I think you're seeing Ethan Strimling 2.0 where you're really laying out the red carpet saying we want to be overrun even more. About 22,000 lifelong Mainers on the Section 8 wait list who've been on the list for sometimes five to seven years. And the Brunswick thing is particularly obnoxious. My estimate is the rent on those would be around 2000 a month, don't you think, for a ballpark estimate? And you're going to get free. So the state's going to pay your free rent for the first two years. That's $48,000 roughly. How long would you have to work and pay main state income taxes before you would offset that that welfare spending, do you think? So I don't think it'll, it'll ever be offset, down. right? That, it'll, yeah. it'll never pay for itself. When you add in the cost of bilingual education in the schools and free health care and all the rest of it, uh, Maine, Maine will, uh, as we know it, will we'll never be... We'll never recover from this, I guess is what I'm trying to say, if it goes through. All right, that bill one more time for people that want to research it, Larry, was which one? LD2167. The work session is in the committee tomorrow. It's already had a public hearing. All right, well, public. It hasn't gotten to the floor of the House yet. There's still a shot at stopping it. Pay attention. Write your legislator, Larry Lockman. Thanks for calling in. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Before we do, though, Jared, I wanted to tell you, my dad is, as you know, a big listener of this show, and he supports a lot of the people who who support the Howie Car Show. One of his favorite sponsors he's recently ordered from, though, was Omaha Steaks. He wanted to try it out for himself. He called me. He said, hey, you want to come over for hamburgers and steak? I've ordered from Omaha Steaks. I'll tell you, it's one of the best meals I've had recently. Oh, yeah. Omaha Steaks. It's, it's the quality of the meats that you get, and you honestly a lot of the time especially with this deal i'm going to tell you about you can get it cheaper and you can at the supermarket and you get better quality now i also love the burgers from omaha steaks i love the steaks from omaha steaks obviously and i really like the uh the all beef franks the hot dogs the best hot dogs that i've ever had but i'm really starting to get in on their chicken and their pork chops and you know what just in time for this deal for a limited time when you go to omahasteaks.com slash grace her listeners will get four 
free air-chilled boneless chicken breasts and four free rich, juicy, boneless pork chops with any order. The experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easier than ever to experience heartland perfection with favorites like their legendary mouth-watering butcher's cut filet mignon or their butcher's cut top sirloin, a leaner, bolder steakhouse-style experience. And you can't go wrong with the classic, the ultra-premium Omaha Steaks ground beef patties. Like I said, no one comes close to matching the flavor, tenderness, or value of Omaha Steaks. Visit omahasteaks.com slash grace to get your four air-chilled boneless chicken breasts and four boneless pork chops with your order. Minimum purchase may apply. Omaha Steaks is the world's best beef naturally aged for the ultimate in tenderness, juiciness, and flavor. You will love every bite, and again, you'll get four free pork chops, four free air-chilled chicken breasts with your qualifying order at omahasteaks.com slash grace. You will fall in love at first bite with everything you get from omahasteaks.com. Claim your four free pork chops and four free chicken breasts now with your qualifying order. Minimum purchase may apply. That's omahasteaks.com slash grace. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is the Grace Curley Show. Just even hearing that intro beat, Jared, I, I don't know if you watched on Netflix, they have the, it's like a kind of documentary in re- retrospective of filming the We Are the World with Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie. And it was actually kind of fun to watch and watch those celebrities, but it really gave you back to like when celebrities were actually real people and hardworking and working together. Now so much of it's fake. The stuff that you watch at the Grammys, like it, it doesn't hold a candle to like the Bruce Springsteen and, and Billy Joel and the old greats. Yeah, we used to have a better class of celebrity in this country. I know Killer Mike getting winning three Grammys and being escorted off. What was it? Did did they said? I think I read over the break. I've been trying. There are two mysteries I've been trying to figure out as I've been hosting the show. This is Aaron Chadbourne filling in for Grace Curley. Killer Mike. It says he was arrested for battery for some kind of altercation that occurred outside of the Grammys. I guess that's not surprising. Yeah, like that's old school rap, right? Yeah, I mean that's kind of. That's kind of how you used to build your reputation back in the day was getting arrested. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, but arresting him, dragging him out of the show, I think maybe there's more sensitivity after the Will Smith slap, right? That went unpunished and like that wasn't, nothing did happen on that one. So now they're, they're really policing the award shows. The other, the other mystery I've been following was um, whether or not we knew what Trucker Carlson was doing in Russia. And he's apparently, while we've been on the air, he's been seen leaving the Kremlin. So speculation is he has interviewed Vladimir Putin, which is causing the mainstream media to melt down because they're they're describing Tucker Carlson as a Russian sympathizer of some sort. And he's really just going to be spouting propaganda. President um, <laughs> oh, Joe Biden, like every time I hear his voice, it's so funny. I had this reaction um, for those of you who know me, I used to work for Governor Paul LePage. And when Governor LePage left office and I used to see Janet Mills giving press conferences from the governor's cabinet room, and you'd see her sitting there, you'd just be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person got to that office. And nowadays, every time I hear Joe Biden speak, I have the same reaction. Joe Biden, someone who's been in public life for my entire life, 
I haven't lived without Joe Biden in in government. He he's also been the laughing stock of the government. He's been one of not one of the sharper people that we've put in public life. And to see him rise to this level, to fail up to become president, and to see the disastrous impact it's having on our border, you're just like, what is going on? And I mentioned the Saturday Night Live thing, Come you know, on, somewhat in jest, but they don't make fun of Joe Biden. Poor George W. Bush. Believe whatever you want about him. But when he was president, they made fun of his gaffes, his misspeaks, his errors nonstop. That was the bedrock of their show. But these people, they're so nervous. They've got to they've got to go into overdrive protecting this guy that they won't give him the same treatment they'd give any other person in the presidency. And it's because the guy's infirm. He's not fit to be president. He's not fit. You wouldn't trust Joe Biden to pick up your kids from school, let alone trust him to be president of the United States. So I just don't understand. I understand that we get to this point, you know, and they're, they're trying, they're pounding their chests over, you know, the South Carolina primary, how he won it with over 90% of the vote after they disqualified anyone else from really legitimately running against him. <sighs> Come on, like this isn't a real election. And so we'll see this Trump versus Biden. Again, I think it's Trump. Nikki Haley's done. Um, she can go ahead and, and appear on Saturday Night Live and hang out with the with the left and the liberals and the executives all she wants. But it's that race is over. It's time for Trump versus Biden. And now we know what's at stake. That's what's at stake in this border thing, right? Do you think Nikki Haley, here's a question for you, Jared. Do you think Nikki Haley, when she left the studio, you know, 8-H at Rockefeller Center after going on on Saturday Night Live, do you think she thought that went well for her? I actually think she did. I think, you know, a lot of people, when they get the money, they kind of hang in there when it's hopeless because their donors expect that from them or, you know, whatever. But I, I really think in her head, whether somebody put the idea there or she has it herself, she really thinks that... Somehow she's going to hang in there. Something's going to happen to Donald Trump. He's going to go to jail or he's going to be kicked out of the race. And she's just going to slide on in and, you know, just she's going to get in that way. I really think she thinks that. See, I don't blame her for that. I don't blame her for hanging out and staying in longer because I think, okay, here in, in her one like defense is that she has said all along, if it was just a two-person contest between me and Donald Trump, I believe there would be a contrast, and I believe I would win. And now she's gotten to that moment, and she wants to test her theory. Okay, cool. But, like, to do it, and, and maybe he does get disqualified, and, and we, we didn't get to today. I wanted to talk about the arguments that are coming up later this week in the Supreme Court. Briefs are filed. Supreme Court's going to hear it, and, and Grace and Howie will bring you the analysis of that. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think I don't see the Supreme Court causing the civil unrest of throwing a, a major party's political candidate off the ballot. But maybe, OK, fine. Well, I'll wait at least until that decision's made before I clear the way, because maybe then I'm the last man standing and I'll go be the defender and I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll get his vengeance for it for the Republicans. But like to to debase herself the way that she is, to suck up to the polite class, to to take that round of applause from Saturday Night Live, to be used as one of these Republicans who attacks Republicans, I think it's just sad. I think she's done. Speaking of being done, that's all the time that we have today on the Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadbourne in for Grace. Grace will be back tomorrow. And coming up, stay tuned for the Great Howie Carr.